that's tuning in to us. Uh, I got a great show coming your way. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, things that are dear to all of us, especially in the educational system. It's uh, The title of the show today is Educational Impact Due to the COVID-19. And so we, we're going to touch bases on uh, primarily the, the youth, uh, the young adults, and the adults as well. You know, so uh, we got some great people. I want to introduce you guys to, uh, actually, I'm going to let them introduce you. Uh, <laughs> let them introduce Facebook to them. Uh, let's start off with Terry. How are you doing, Terry? Tell the Facebook audience a little bit about you. Just so. Good morning. I'm very well, thank you. I've got a couple of grown kids, and I have four grandkids. I don't know if they're watching right now. Um, I used to be in uh, finance, accounting, and then I decided I wanted to go into education, which is where I've landed now. Um, I love doing things like traveling. Um, I have an RV. I like to go RVing. I belong to Mensa, a Rotary, um, the president of the Temecula Valley Wine Society. Don't tell them too much. Don't tell them too much. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Okay. I'm a mom and a nana. How's that? <laughs> and uh, a good friend of mine who is Terry daughter, Brittany. How are you doing, Brittany? <laughs> Hi, guys. That's right. I'm a uh, friend of JC's. That is my mom, who is an administrator. Um, I am a guidance counselor of a high school and an ex-army vet. I have two children of my own, and I am so thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me, JC. Oh, wow, it's always a pleasure. And we got the professor here that, uh, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to a lot of the things that he's going to talk about. How are you doing, sir? Oh, it's great to be with you and great to be with everyone today. My name is Jeff Thies, and I'm a clinical assistant professor for the School of College of Business Administration at Loyola Marymount University. I also direct the Institute for Business Ethics and Sustainability, and um, both of those pieces will probably be part of our conversation. I'm a former healthcare executive and now in the education space. So anyway, it's great to be with you today. Wow. So uh, audience, you have to sit back. We're still waiting on my guest co-host, we're going to give him a couple more minutes and uh, then we got to get this thing started. So just stand by. We can talk openly, you know, all of us. Oh, Michelle, are you still there? <laughs> I put her on the spot. <laughs> yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Um, you know what? It's all about teamwork. So um, until... Uh, Mr. Trinoni comes aboard. I can um, pitch in if you would like. Okay, pull it, pull it up because we got to get started in two minutes. And uh, okay, I gotta in. get back in again. <laughs> can you? Well, let me see. Chuck I would can. join in uh, shortly, but uh, Facebook family, it is time uh, for us to go ahead and talk about this great, important topic. Let's do it. Life is a series of circles and cycles, phrases and stages. These experiences teach you the lessons of life. You can either ignore them or embrace them. Welcome to It's Your Life with James Cooley. James is a motivational speaker, author, military veteran, and founder of the J.C. Cooley Foundation. James is here to equip you to strive for greatness and overcome adversity. It's time to get equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. Now here's the host of It's Your Life, James Cooley. Hello, welcome to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. You know, I tell you, um, waiting on my co-host, uh, having a little technical difficulty, but uh, we got a great show coming your way. Uh, 
Uh, we're going to talk about um, the challenges of education, the impact of education from the COVID virus and how um, a lot of uh, schools and uh, teaching and online and all of that great stuff, the impacts that it's causing. Uh, we're going to get some positive aspects out of that as well. So, uh, so I, I got three great uh, hosts, three great guests here, you know, to uh, help us uh, migrate through all of these things and learn uh, what's going on out in the industry. You know, so uh, just sit back, stay tuned, and and get ready to get a, a earful. Michelle, are you still there? Well, I thought she was there to help out a little bit, but that's okay. We we we'll get it back. I am I am still here. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So uh, first of all, um, I want to uh, talk about this uh, impacts of what's going on through my own words, and then um, we're gonna have Michelle and Chuck, primarily Chuck, when he come on. But um, there is a a major, I believe there is a major impact uh, due to this, and so this is my opening statement. Uh, today we will examine COVID-19 and the impacts and our ability to properly provide the necessary educational services to teach our youth, young adults, and adults. I believe many parents, students, teachers are overly challenged and stressed and unequipped to effectively deal with this situation. I believe vulnerable students are less likely to participate in schools offering above average to better quality resources, which are the backbones of high quality learning programs. They are also less likely to have access to essential technology services, such as personal computers, uh, the internet, electronic devices, and primarily the support at home. I'm talking about a lot of the parents are not teachers <laughs> and, and they are being challenged uh, with this as well. So, Today, we have, just like I mentioned, three outstanding guests uh, to help us uh, get through this topic. We got my good friend, Brittany Dressler. Uh, we got her mother, Terry Connolly. And we got Professor Jeffrey Thais. I might have messed the name up, but I think we we close. So um, welcome to the show, each and every last one of you. You know, But um, I want to introduce uh, our first guest first. Uh, let me tell you a little, little bit about her. I mean, she talked a little bit out in, in the beginning, uh, but uh, she is a former military uh, you know, service member, and she's married to a reservist, and she is uh, doing extremely well in a California high school where she is uh, uh, one of the head counselors, teachers, and doing a lot of other things that's, that's out there. She is the mother of two beautiful children, which I have met personally, <laughs> you know, and uh, she's following in her mother's footstep. But we're going to bring Brittany, Brittany Dresslone. Brittany, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm good. Thanks for having me, James. How are you? Well, I'm doing just fine. I'm so glad that uh, you, you took this opportunity to come on and uh, let's try to educate our public. Um, I mean, across the world, not just in California and Dallas and but, you know, Everyone that's listening, uh, tell us a little bit about you and why you chose to become a a teacher, a counselor, or and follow the academia field. Um, so I was, like you said, in the military, and I was 
was a, a medic and my high school counselor actually kind of helped me gain that niche or realm of wanting to be a counselor but in the military um the medic thing was still an option seeing the things i saw there definitely turned me to being a counselor um, I gotta tell you, I love every single minute of my job. Never a dull moment. There's never a day that you come in with a set duty list and you are able to get it done. It is hit or miss all the time. So many social emotional things that are going on with children normally. Uh, this day and age in COVID is just making it so much more exponentially larger at hand. Um, but I'm a club advisor also for Interact, which is a rotary Thing that is a community service club and I'm an AP coordinator and I'm Saturday school coordinator. I hold many hats and titles at my school, but I love what I do. What format of a teaching online teaching that, that uh, you guys are using? Um, we are at my district. We are purely virtual throughout the whole district. Um, we have teeter-tottered on the idea of hybrid. We are, we were looking to go back to hybrid. Um, there's been no discussion about uh, fully back on like campus and in person, but for now we are virtual hundred percent. Yeah. So uh, normally in, in, in uh, we have curriculums uh, that uh, probably been pushed all around due to uh, the situation circumstances. What type of curriculum are you all are using, or is it pretty much makeshift to, to fill in the gaps? Because I, I'm a, I'm an academia myself, so uh, what type of curriculum are you all using? Well, the curriculum for the teachers is ultimately the same, with a little bit of watered down curriculum, I would say. Um, so they may have been using Common Core or things like that, but they've had to less rush, um, rush it a little less. So they had to make things slower or implement new curriculum slower. Um, our main system we use is Canvas currently, which is the whole area uses Canvas. So, <laughs> so cam Canvas, uh, okay. So what are the biggest challenge challenges that uh, you guys have encountered in online teaching? For high school specifically, a lot of our problems arise with engagement. We cannot seem to get a hold of a student. We can't get them online. We can't get a hold of the parent. Um, the parents may answer on a Sunday and say, if I, if I would have known you were calling, I wouldn't have answered. Um, there, it's, it's kind of weird, but we can't even get these kids face-to-face -face, even on a Zoom. It's, the biggest problem is engagement. Wow. What is being done for students who are not equipped with you know, computers and the Internet and, and the necessary uh, technologies to be able to receive this, this training? Um, initially, our district, I mean, actually now still, our district is not really a one to one district. Uh, so students are using iPads, they're using cell phones, they're using computers, they're using whatever device they have or can find. If they found themselves needing a device, they could go to our district or our school sites and pick one up. Um, our district provided mobile hotspots for a lot of the students that weren't able to get online. 
Um, but I can tell you even now we're wrapping up the semester here in another week or so. And I still have students that are telling me, you know, I've been using my cell phone this whole time and I can't submit X, Y, Z. I can't get this done. I missed this deadline. Um, and I, I just tell them, go pick up a device. <laughs> you know, so, uh, have you seen, a um, um, a change or a decrease in learning of, uh, from traditional education and teaching online? Absolutely. Um, I have a ninth grader, a, a high schooler. He's my son. And I, I see the amount of rigor placed in some of his classes to include the honors or AP classes. Um, that is kind of watered down curriculum. Um, but as far as counseling and seeing them, we I, I, I'll, t I'll be very honest with you. We've got more than three times the amount of Fs that we typically see in students. Um, so on a normal basis, if we run DF reports right now, we would have about 1,100 Fs. At this point in time, we have 3,357 Fs on my campus. Wow. That's a, that's a lot. What, what are, are the school districts or what are you all doing to um, fix that? There's a lot of different things we're currently trying to implement um, credit recovery, getting kids to continuation schools, um, blended learning, uh, summer schools for next summer, um, having the teachers extend their deadlines yeah, if, if they want to. Yes. You know, so, wow, you, you guys are doing a, doing a lot of things out there. So uh, have um, in response to COVID, what are you doing well and what are you I'm talking about? It's a lot of things that we, we're trying to what what is being done well and what what is being moved around? Well, it's very it, it's very black and white. Um, there is no gray area when it comes to this. You have your students that are thriving, uh, not typical A, B students that are typically your C, D, F students that are thriving in this environment. I've had parents say they love this because of the fact that they can monitor their grades a lot easier. Um, but then we also have the latter, right, of the, the kids that are not doing anything at all that are just getting straight Fs. So uh, for it, I guess it depends on the person and their situation because we are doing so well in some areas when it comes to learning and some just not so much. Wow. You know, I, I tell you, we're going to take a station break, but we're going to come back and continue our conversation with Brittany and then we're going to bring on Terry. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. And I see my co-host is there. How you doing, Chuck? Good. Doing good. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. Concerned over your income needs in retirement? Left an old 401k at your old employer and considering your options? Goldsmith Financial can help. For nearly 14 years, Joshua Goldsmith has been helping investors towards attaining financial independence. Call Joshua Goldsmith today for a free review. 760-586-5275. That's 760-586-5275. Or visit goldsmithfinancial.net. Goldsmithfinancial.net. Joshua Goldsmith is a registered representative with securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor member. FINRA SIPC. 
Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, The True Life Coming of Age Story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet by James J.C. Cooley. Available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. You know, I tell you, I, I just saw my, my co-host was having a little technical difficult, but he's here. How you doing, Chuck? I'm doing great. Sorry about that. No. I don't know what's going on, but I'm on my phone right now, so we'll... Do the best to catch up with all of you guys. No, no, we, welcome, everyone. Now, we miss you, but, uh, you know, we're we, we talking about this very, very important uh, topic, uh, sure. uh, the impacts of COVID uh, on education. And so um, okay. uh, we was uh, just uh, touching bases with Brittany, and I, I got a couple more. And uh, I know that you're a Rotarian because I work with you. <laughs> and I know that uh, it's, it's a lot of other things that uh, that you are doing. Uh, but um, with the Rotary, if you got such a big uh, interact club, how are you guys keeping all of these motivated kids uh, and being able to meet and and just just keep them upgraded on certain things? I think for a lot of those kids, for a lot of our kids in general, being connected right now is so important to them, and me offering a club and another avenue for them to still see their friends, see their faces and hear what's going on um, really just connects them and holds true to their heart. We have 150 kids in our club that get on Zoom every Friday at lunch and they just hear what we got going on and and participate when they can. Um, we've had COVID drives, we've had sock drives, we've, we've done cleanup still. So we're still getting out there and doing what we do best. Oh, yeah. yeah, I got, got one more question for you. Okay. So most of the teachers are probably not able to fill up their schedule, uh, with just like I said, regular curriculum stuff. Is some of the parents helping out? I mean, on some of the things that they might not be getting from a traditional uh, stance? So I can actually speak to that as a parent also, um, because I'm sitting here doing my work in one corner and my son's on a Zoom in another corner with his teachers. Um, and, And if he has a question, he's mutes himself and says, Mom, can you help me? If they cut off the Zoom because teachers in our state can just do five minutes of instruction and then just get off the Zoom for the rest of the time, they don't have to be on the, the whole Zoom, then the kid can't ask the question when they're knee deep in the work. So you can hear my son in the background go, mom, help me out with this math problem. Mom, I don't know what mitosis means. And and absolutely, parents are gonna parents have to step up during this time and it's really hard for those working parents right now. Wow. Yep. This uh this is a challenge. You know, so yeah, yeah. but I, I tell you what, hey Chuck, we're gonna bring on our next guest. Can you tell a, a listener a little bit about it? Sure. Uh, welcome. We would like to welcome Terry Connolly. Terry is a mother of two, Brittany and Brandon, and a grandmother of four. She is an assistant principal of an 
elementary school in California, has been an administrator in that same district for over 20 years. Terry loves to uh, teach, and I mean, Terry loves doing what she's doing, and I heard from the grapevine she's planning on retiring in a few years. (laughs) So um, prior to her, her time in education, Terry has been in private industry focusing on accounting. She's a worldwide traveler, a Rotarian, a Mensa member, and president of a wine society in her region. And she also provides volunteer service to her community. When Terry has some spare time, she loves to craft, read, and attend live theater. Welcome, Terry. Welcome We're to the show, to Terry. Have you. <laughs> Sound Thank like you're so you very busy. Sound like you're very, very busy. <laughs> yes, it I does. am. Yes. Terry, well, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what inspired you to work within the educational system? Sure. Um, I was a single mom for most of my parenting, and I was the CEO, CFO of a medical facility. Working there was super long hours. My heart just wasn't in it. Um, I have a lot of people in my family who are educators. When I was in middle school, I had a teaching project that I got to do. I got to develop a lesson and, and deliver it to some kindergartners, and I had so much fun. So when I realized the accounting and administration thing wasn't working for me. I went into what I loved, which was teaching. I was a teacher for just over five years. And then I got an administrative position, probably because of my administrative background in the private industry. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you know, James and I, in looking at your bio, we're really curious. Maybe you could tell us in our audience, what's a Mensa member? <laughs> Okay, well, first of all, Mensa is kind of overrated. It's it's basically we are in the top 2% of those who take intelligence tests in the world. People m- think that means that we're like super smart and like geniuses. Well, maybe, but it really means that we can solve problems better than oh, most that's people can. Awesome. We can manipulate words well. Sound like well, a genius to sh- me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so maybe you'll have to uh, tell us a little bit more about this uh, later on. Uh, um, as an assistant principal, can you tell us a little bit about what you do to assist the students, the teachers, and staff right now during this pandemic? Absolutely. So first, there's a lot of troubleshooting that goes on with um, technology. And I got to tell you, as, as someone who's nearing retirement, as you said, this is not something I ever thought I was going to have to do, but I've had to jump into it with both feet and learn how to navigate all sorts of different devices and things that I didn't think I was going to have to. I think the biggest thing that I do is is I nurture the parents and the students when they need it. Um, I assure them that this is going to end and that we will be back to normal at some point. When I can update them with information, I do because they're always wanting to know what's next. The problem with that is it's a moving target since our tiers are changing in our area. You just you think you're going to be able to go back and then whoops, there the numbers go up again and there goes that idea. Wow. I guess you're constantly pivoting then, huh? Yep. <laughs> now, you are uh, an assistant principal at an elementary school. And um, what, I mean, I know you, you probably have teachers that are probably struggling with trying to uh, teach this to such young, young kids. Um, what advice do you give them? Well, first I remind him that, uh, Kids are resilient. They 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 are far better at adapting to things than we give them credit for. I also remind them that the kids are a lot more tech savvy than we are. We've done a great job in our district of 
having our kids use technology for projects, assignments, and other things so that they've, when they're sitting down with those devices at home, it's not like a foreign thing to them. It's, it's like an extension of them. So they're, they're really good at doing that. I told the teachers that we're all working through this together. We're all learning and progressing through this together. They're not alone. Were you involved in, and I'm, I'm sure you was, in developing, because everything had to change from a curriculum perspective, um, the online plan for uh, teaching uh, elementary kids? No, I wasn't. I think part of that is because I'm one of those people who's not, you know, super into tech. I don't think they called me and said, hey, Terry, we need you on this <laughs> committee. Um uh, the, the district office administration and the union leadership, they all worked together um, whenever possible to develop and, and tweak the plan along the way. And trust me, it's been tweaked as we've gone along. Um, we have some the people were using apps that just weren't working. So the, they decided those apps had to go. There have been schedule changes based on all of the different um, services that our kids need to get. Um, we've had to have breakout rooms where an adult can work with an individual student on something that they're not getting, mostly a lot for our kids who have IEPs so that we can keep compliant with giving them that, that extra support. Um, we also provided technology devices for those that don't have it, that our staff members that don't have it in their homes. We have paraeducators, those are like the classroom aides, that may not have a device at home. So we've given them those so that they can assist with the kids and keep interacting and, and keeping those kids going. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, that that must keep you busy. Um, <laughs> how does your staff feel about dealing with all these uh, changes and and trying to work with the technology piece, the educational piece, and even the uh, just being there for the students? Well, the being there for the students that comes naturally to them. Um, using some of the technology is natural for them, but they don't love it. I mean, they are they. The vast majority of our staff really, really like kids and they want to be with the kids in person. They understand right now that this is necessary. Um, they're, they've got a lot of great flexibility and what I call stick-to-itiveness. They just, they don't give up. They, they, they get it. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Well, that's, that's important. Um, our, with, the, with the issues that come up, the challenges, the problems, how do you navigate through them and how are you working in such a way to do that so that you minimize those and you feel like the, the day's flowing along uh, as best as you can? Well, the day flowing along is an interesting concept. I mean, as, as Brittany mentioned earlier, you don't go in with a set agenda and you're going to get these things knocked out. It's a, it's like our, our tears. It's a moving target. You go in. I'm going in some days. I'm, I'm working from home other days. We are really trying to minimize the number of staff on campus so we don't have any spread of COVID. So I'm just, I do what I can from home. I have meetings with parents. I've got a district cell phone. I'll reach out and talk to people. We go into some of the, the Zoom sessions because we want to make sure that the kids see us. We read books to them. Um, just lots and lots of things where we're trying to make sure that everybody knows we're visible and we're there when they need us. That's very good. That's awesome. Go ahead, JC. Hey, how has this affected the mental psychic stability of your teaching staff and students? It's not good. I mean, we're social animals, especially kids who are still getting to know their community and the world around them. We all need that face-to-face -face and personal contact that we're not getting um, without the in-person stuff. There's lots of tears, both adults and students. We've got parents, teachers, and students that have been crying it's a big learning curve for everybody. There's, there's 
I've heard of self-depression uh, or depression and self-doubt. Uh, my own grandkids, I know, have been in tears over not being able to navigate as easily and thinking that they're going to um, miss out on a grade or something because their technology is not working well. They just they need each other and they don't have each other right now. It's yeah. it's bad. Wow. This is a, a big challenge. You know, I tell you, um, we just like just like Michelle had mentioned earlier, we have to all work as a team and we also have to ha- get the parents involved and and helping uh, uh, us teach these kids because uh, I believe that we are going to be opening schools real soon. I say within the next month and a half, two months, I'm hoping, you know, but I, we're going to take mm-hmm. a station break, but we're going to come back and continue our discussion with Terry. And then we're going to bring Dr. Jeff. Um, it's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow. And we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Concerned over your income needs in retirement? Left an old 401k at your old employer and considering your options? Goldsmith Financial can help. For nearly 14 years, Joshua Goldsmith has been helping investors towards attaining financial independence. Call Joshua Goldsmith today for a free review. 760-586-5275. That's 760-586-5275. Or visit goldsmithfinancial.net. Goldsmithfinancial.net. Joshua Goldsmith is a registered representative with securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor member FINRA SIPC. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. And, you know, just like I said, I got my guest co-host, uh, Chuck, here. And, uh, Chuck, before we start uh, uh, with, with Terry again, I, I, I must uh, thank uh, our sponsor, Joshua Goldsmith, for sponsoring making this show happen. And you know sure. we we are always out there, Josh. If you're looking for, if you're looking for a great financial advisor, Joshua Goldsmith is the man. I mean, he will help you out with doing a long term, short term, whatever type of plan that you might need. Uh, help you save money, make money. He help bring you more money. <laughs> Joshua Goldsmith is a more money man. <laughs> so, hey Chuck, we was talking to Terry, and I, I got. Uh, so, Terry, um, what is the immediate long range outcome do you feel that remote learning might give us something where uh, our kids didn't lose a whole lot when school does start back? 
Well, like like Brittany mentioned earlier, there are kids who are really soaring because this is a great format for them and maybe they'll take the advantage to stay on the online learning um, platform that our district has offered for years. I think for many of the others though, because we've had such a lack of participation um, for a variety of reasons, we're gonna have a lot of kids that are gonna be behind. Um, there's limited ability for the teachers to troubleshoot when kids don't get something. Uh, you know, they, they, they can't they can't work with a kid right there hands on when there's a learning difficulty or if a kid's not getting something, they can't sit next to them and show them, hey, this is this is where your error is. Um, they can't even understand necessarily when a kid is is understanding it because you've got, as you see on your screen right now, you've got a small picture of a kid. You can't necessarily see if he's getting it or not. He may be nodding his head or, but you just don't know. I mean, this, I think, I, I have, I'm feared for the kids that are going to go to college after this because I think they're going to go there well underprepared. Yeah. Yeah. It's an important part. That's a good, that leads well into our next presenter, huh, JC? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, so uh, <laughs> I tell you, uh, also looking forward to uh, Dr. Theus or telling us what, what the college students are doing and young adults. Uh, Chuck, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the professor? Yes, I can. Uh, uh, Jeff Thies is a clinical professor of the Department of Management at the College of Business Administration at Loyola Marymount University, Los Angeles. He has held executive management positions in direct mail marketing, in the healthcare industries, developing leadership formation and professional development programming for these organizations. Prior to joining LMU, Jeff um, worked in the area of applied ethics as a mission integration executive, most recently serving as the vice president of the Leadership Institute for St. Joseph's Health in Irvine, California. In these roles, he oversaw system initiatives, which focused on individual and organizational values formation, as well as training in clinical and organizational ethics. At St. Joseph's Health, Jeff was a, a board of trustee involved with both um, executive, uh, executive staff and development programs and governance and being on the nominating committee. Uh, Jeff's past leadership included uh, board chairs in, in ministry positions in six West Coast healthcare systems and leadership development committee of the Catholic Health Association. Uh, Jeff has been a uh, longtime friend, and uh, he has um, both uh, a master's and uh, theology and degrees in theology. And uh, it's a pleasure and honor to welcome my friend and uh, Professor Jeff Thies. Welcome to the show, Professor. How are you doing today? Well, very nice. It, 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 wonderful. Thanks so much for the opportunity to be here. Thank you, Chuck. Yeah, we go way back yes, and it's welcome. great to be able to connect with you through this and really so excited to be part of this conversation. Oh, Professor, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your background and how you uh, got off into teaching? Well, as Chuck said, you know, especially with my academic background, I have a doctorate and a couple of master's degrees, and then I was in business. And so with that background, it kind of natural naturally move into you know, employee training. And I worked in a trade association. I was vice chair of a national trade association, a lot of development, employee development and company development in that role. Um, my doctoral work focused on specifically the immigrant communities in Southern California and uh, specialized in Mexican studies. And so I initially was brought to Loyola Marymount to teach a 
an MBA course on managing a multicultural workforce. And that led to a number of other courses that I've taught throughout the years. And then a few years ago, uh, I had the opportunity to move from healthcare into a full-time position at LMU, which is what I'm doing now. What is your current position? I mean, a, a little bit more about your current position there. Uh, I, your, your bio is just extraordinary. You know, can you well, tell thank- us a little, a little bit more about that? Yes, I'm a clinical faculty member. And what that means in a business school is that you've got the kind of the research PhD types who really focus on the academic development and through their own research practices and these kinds of things. And then they also want to have people who have lived the life and done the work and have the business, the practical business experience, so that students hear both what the theory teaches and also how that's experienced in practice. So that, that's the piece that I bring in. Uh, along with many of my colleagues. Um, A few years ago, the College of Business Administration brought together the work that it was doing in business ethics and the work that it was doing in sustainability and sustainable development and created a center of excellence called the the Institute for Business Ethics and Sustainability. And they asked me to be the inaugural director of that. And that's another role that I have uh, with the college. Wow, that's awesome. Well, Jeff, um, you've been teaching youth and young adults for adults, young adults and adults for a really long time, and both at the graduate and undergraduate level. What's it like right now with COVID-19 and the the economy being in such a questionable state? I just really want to affirm what Terry and what Brittany said about their experience and and kind of put it in the umbrella that COVID is hard. This is unnatural. We're disconnected from one another. Just the concept of social distance this is psychologically hard. It's emotionally hard. It's spiritually hard. It's just hard. And so um, so a lot of those same things that they're describing in the primary and, and high school levels, we experience on the college level because that's part of the human experience. At the same time, like I teach college seniors, they're trying to figure out, so what does this mean for me in the job setting? What, how do I think about my career development? Um, what skills do I gain? You know, I was thinking about our experience, just a podcast and Zoom and our ability to connect from different regions and come together for this conversation. This is wonderful. And this is an example of opportunity and potential. And at the same time, in an environment that it's just really hard. So you're kind of navigating both pieces of that. Yeah, it really has. Well, how has the realities of this pandemic and even the related questions of inequality and racial uh, justice impacted your students, your classes, and even your own work? Two things. I think first, just initially in March, we just all went home. And so that, in, in from a college standpoint, that means students are going to their home countries. We have a, a number of international students. So all of a sudden, what was a classroom experience now is trying to figure out how to bring together students from Kenya and Myanmar and Germany and Kuwait and Los Angeles. And so there's all of those kinds of dimensions. Um, I think the other big deal, Chuck, is what does this mean? What what does this really mean? Uh, You know, one of the things I've reflected with the students is you saw in a lot of the ad copy on television and stuff when this first started, we're all in this together. We really are one human family. We're profoundly interconnected with each other and with our environment, right? So what does that mean? How does that impact business? When you, when you, in, in one of the things it's certainly done is it's torn the mask back uh, to make the entire culture look at stuff that maybe uh, many have known well 
but others have maybe ignored, which is the profound inequities and equalities, the uneven way in which COVID has hit communities of color, for example, both in terms of health problems and then also economic impact. So you just really have to own what you're seeing and figure out what it means. Very good. Yeah, it's really important. Yes. Um, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if JC mentioned it before. I I was having so much difficulty with the computer, but um, I don't know if you guys realize this week on the National Nightly News um, is a whole segment uh, in the Nightly News of coronavirus and education. And they're picking up on this topic that was took place before this um, back at the end of summer as August was turning into September, and here they're picking up on it, looking at this thing. Now we're at the end of the year, going into the first of next year. And so what we're talking about now is very important, very timely, and yet it seems like it's going to continue on, you know? So, um, Professor, are your fellow colleagues and teachers teaching differently? I know they are, but... um, um, do they have a set way of teaching uh, during this uh, pandemic? Um, you know, it really depends on the specific discipline. And, and um, you know, just like some people, students thrive in this environment, others are challenged. Some content really works better in this kind of environment than others. So you get some of that. Um, we were all required to uh, go into training during the summer and online and be certified in online educational practices. So really ramping up our skill set rapidly related to this was one piece. Um, the other thing I'd, I'd call out is um, you, you, you always want to do this as an educator, but really being close to the students and adapting what and how to what you're hearing from the students. I mean, one, one, one simple example Uh, One student said at the beginning of the semester, uh, because I was talking about kind of Zoom fatigue and screen fatigue and all this, and she said, well, you know the 20-20-20 rule, and that is every 20 minutes, look at least 20 feet away for at least 20 seconds, and that'll really help your eye fatigue. And so we instantly implemented it in class. We had a timekeeper, and every 20 minutes, she'd go, okay, time to shut up. We're doing our 20-20-20, and then there you go. And so that's a simple <laughs> little example. There's a lot more, but really kind of responding and adapting becomes key. Wow. You know, yeah. we're going to have to take a station break, but we're going to come back and continue our discussion with Professor Jeff, and we are going to bring Brittany and Terry back on. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow. And we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. 
Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, The True Life Coming of Age Story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet by James J.C. Cooley. Available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. And just like I said, I got my uh, co-host here, uh, Chuck Trenoni. Hey, hey, Chuck, this is a such an important topic. And I, I, I tell you, uh, Professor Jeff is uh, really educating us. And uh, you, you had a couple of questions. I think you said number 10, 11, or something like that, that, that you... Yeah, what, what Jeff was talking to before we went to break about uh, screen time and hours spent. Jeff, just give a, can you give us an idea from a college perspective, from a college student and a professor perspective, how many online hours are you spending teaching daily and weekly? And from, from your understanding of what your students, both at the graduate and undergraduate level, how many hours online are they spending? Yeah, so let, let me just describe what I heard from the students. So first, if you're taking 18 units, so that's 18 hours just right out of the gate, and then you're really learning project-based, team-based, and all of that's online, and then you have all of the research that you need to do for your papers and your exams and all of that, and that's all online. And so then, you know, I remember one student, maybe this is a little extreme, but not that much. And and he said, so I'm online all day for school. And then I have an internship that's all online. And then I have a job and that's all online. And then all my homework is online. And then I need to relax. So I watch Netflix and it's just (laughs) nothing but screen. And so it's really fatiguing. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we had a practice in class is just starting every class with a brief reflection and students would share. And a lot of their sharing focused on self-care and, and how really to take care of oneself emotionally and kind of physically during this time, especially when they're kind of caught on screens. And, and what are some of those, maybe what are some of those creative or practical ways students are utilizing to help them during this time? Yeah, I, two things I'd say real quick. And this, I mean, this involves screen time. But being together with other students is really important because that helps overcome some of the isolation that they feel. So I want to affirm that. But I mean, you know, one student said, I mean, these are, you know, in their 20s, she said, I'm taking up knitting. I mean, something tactical and practical. (laughs) Another is gardening, getting outside, sunshine. I mean, just think of those basic kinds of things, along with like mindfulness practices and meditation practices and some of that. Um, are the kinds of things that you hear. Those are excellent ideas there. Wow. Yeah. How about you, JC? you have any last questions for oh, Jeff? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I want to know uh, what resources do you use as a college professor uh, that you rely on to inspire uh, and motivate uh, your students? You know, one of the things, and this comes out of the, the uh, kind of intellectual tradition of Lola Marymount, we really focus on whole person and um, really seek to engage the whole person. So one of the things that we, I, I always try to do is 
is make everything relevant, number one, to what they're currently experiencing. And secondly, how does this inform your job and your career? So how do you, how do you think about carrying this forward? That's one piece. And then, um, you know, I, I teach in the area of sustainability and sustainable development, and students have a deep concern about questions of inequality and environmental impact. And, and frankly, want to make the world a better place. And so that really inspires them. And then, so a simple example, uh, one project last semester, they had to go to their closet, pull out a piece of, of clothing, you know, a shoe or a shirt and say, okay, let's analyze where this came from and what are the issues that, that are in this shirt, you know? And so it tied it to something very specific that they own and they're connected with. And so it's those kinds of things. How, how do you... And leading educators you follow perceive the increased shift in online learning and its influence on future of the labor market. Um, you know, um, one uh, one uh, business professor from NYU has simply said that you take whatever you, whatever you thought were going to be the trends ten years from now they've already happened in about 18 weeks now. There's this, that COVID is a huge accelerant. And so, um, so the, 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 so I guess the quick question is um, for students, especially this will increasingly be the work environment. Um, I have a son who's an engineer. He works with multinational teams in a, in a global company. And, and frankly, this is his work environment and whether that's in an office or whether that's in home, this is the nature of the work and, and being engaged, being connected, building community, effectively developing project implementation, all that kind of stuff is just kind of the nature of work. And so I think um, you, you're, you're expecting, we're expecting that this will, uh, much more of the labor market will migrate to dimensions of this. Um, it depends on the job, of course, but. Yeah. We want to bring back on Brittany and Terry. Uh, so uh, I kind of, kind of like uh, put together a few questions that pertain to sure. each one of you all. Um, my first question is, how do you balance your own mental health and self-care needs during this pandemic? I mean, it's got to be stressful. Uh, let's start with you first, Brittany. Um, it is quite stressful. I, I feel for everybody that is is going through this. Um, I have two very different school-age children, a five-year-old and a 14-year-old, so very different spectrums of learning and what they're doing, um, and then my own job and other 450 kids that I take care of. So I do get out. I get some exercise. I, I have to get out of the house at least once or twice a day for 45 minutes. Um, I have picked up some additional hobbies, but very slight even my Peloton, I don't look at my screen because those screen time things, I just ride my bike. Um, so I, I do that, but we still get out. We still go hiking and things. Me and my family unplug from all of the, the internet things that we have going on in our lives and just kind of are at peace with one another together. Terry, what about you? Well, I still do a lot of the same um, hobbies that I used to do. I do a lot of reading. I watch movies. One of the things that has helped me balance stress in the past is my travel planning. And that has mm -hmm. kind of had to take a back seat. I mean, that I've got travel plans, but you just never know if they're going to come to fruition. Several of my trips have already been canceled. So it's tough. And, and, and Terry, I mean, uh, Terry, I was wondering, because you're at the elementary school level, how are you 
encouraging your students to, um, you know, use mental health and self-care needs because, you know, they're not maybe as developed to be thinking about that and need direction from adults. How's well, that our work? Teachers, our teachers do a bit of that. Our district also has some social emotional learning coaches, but what, what I and the principal do is we just go into the, the sessions from time to time and check in with the kids and tell them, Hey, we miss you, you know, keep strong. We'll, we'll see you again soon. It's just, it's just a matter of being visible and reminding them this will end. This is going to be over. Dr. Jeff. Yeah. You know, I think sunshine's a really big deal. And um, although it may look like I don't get much of it, I need to get more. <laughs> but uh, so like just before this, uh, this uh, podcast, I went and sat in the backyard with the sun on my face for 10 minutes, just to let that touch me and get ready. And it just orients you in a special place. Yes, very much. Well, I have one for all of you um, in the sense that um, um, what um, when you think about the practices that are being implemented at, at your various schools and school districts and at the university level, um, what's the uh, what's the larger schools? I mean, what what are the schools doing to help prevent the spread of covid and looking at what's uh, how they're going to transcend um, now that we're getting vaccines and we're going to be maybe having vaccines and maybe looking at going back to school in the new year, what practices are they implementing and they advising you to look at going forward? Why don't you start, Terry, since you're at the level. Okay, well, I, I mentioned earlier right now that our, our district is making sure that we have very few staff members on, on campus so that we don't spread COVID amongst ourselves. There is a reopening committee with um, stakeholders at all levels that are trying to figure out the best way to get us back when we do get to come back. Families have a choice. They can either stay online or they can come back, have their kids come back. At the elementary level, we're going to be doing an AM and a PM cohort of uh, no more than 15 students so that we can allow for social distancing in the class. We're also gonna be cleaning the classrooms in between each of these cohorts to make sure that there's no cross-contamination. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. How about Brittany at the high school level? So we haven't worked out all the kinks um, to mirror what Terry was saying. We, we do have the parents that have a choice, but for those of them that are choosing to come back, we have two different cohorts um, of students. We have an A-track and a B-track. Those groups of students on A-track will come twice a day to school and the B students the same, alternative days. Um, the, we're not sure if the, the teachers are going to be cleaning the classrooms and the, the materials that they use or if it's gonna be people coming in yet. We have PPE that has and will be distributed to all of the staff members. We will be expecting students to wear masks. Um, we're, we're trying to do as much as we can. We've thought about dividers for desks and things like that. Uh, it just comes down to us getting all of those things in, in a timely manner with enough money and funds and for everyone to use them diligently. And, and you, Professor? Yeah, much much like what uh, you're both describing, uh, in a university setting, you've got classroom, you've got dorms, and then you've got large public spaces, whether it's a cafeteria or a gym or a basketball game or those kinds of things. Um, there's been a comprehensive facility assessment, uh, determining how to organize classrooms, uh, schedule classes, do the kind of cleaning protocols and those kinds of things. If a resident student gets COVID, there's, you know, quarantine procedures related to that. So there's a lot of those kinds of practices around safety. 
Um, and uh, we're all anxious to get back on campus. We're, of course, restricted by the policies of LA County and, and uh, you know, obviously working consistent with that. And then there's also kind of a, an alert system that's set up uh, on a phone app for all students and faculty, both that we need to check in through when we go to campus. And then also we get alerts if there's anything that we need to be aware of. Wow. You know, this has been such a great topic. I would like to thank uh, my guest co-hosts. Of course, my guest, uh, Terry, uh, thank you so much. Brittany, thank you so much. Professor Jeff, thank you so much. I'd like to thank our listening audience. I'd like to thank our sponsor for making this show possible. And uh, always keep in mind that uh, we're out looking for uh, sponsors so we can continue to bring this great message to you. I tell you, we'll be back next week with another great topic. It's your life. I am James Cooley and my co-host right here. Chuck Trinoni. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Appreciate your time. Thank Thanks for joining us for It's Your Life with James Cooley. To learn more about James, how you can support the show, or become a guest, visit CooleyFoundation.org. That's CooleyFoundation.org. Join James next week at this same time for more motivation and inspiration to help you become equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. This has been It's Your Life, where you learn how to dream big, think big, and be big. Facebook family out there. Hey, I I told you you was in for a treat. I hope that uh, 